Welcome. We're going to be back over in the book of 1st John, 1st John chapter 2. Um, you know, uh, we're singing about uh, his love there, and uh, it just uh, again makes me reflect on the theme of this book and uh, what God's talking about. Uh, and again, you know, people have this idea of what they think love is, and uh, many people... Uh, if you will, have these assumptions of what love is supposed to be about. And uh, I'll tell you this, one thing that uh, we know by looking at Scripture is love is not an emotion. Uh, love is not some sort of a feeling. You may experience some sort of physical feeling when love, uh, uh, you know, uh, occurs in your life, but it is something that is a conscious effort. It's something that must be done in a way that demonstrates the care for that individual. Uh, love is, again, not something that uh, just comes and goes. And we know our emotions, uh, they, they are transient. They come, they go. You're not always happy all the time. You're not always sad all the time. You're not always angry all the time. You're not always fearful all the time. Uh, they come, they go, and so on and so forth, with the whole purpose of emotions drawing us near to the Lord but one thing that we know is that the world, they'll say it's a, well, it's some sort of feeling. It's some sort of, uh, a thing, if you will, that you experience. And, um, if that's the case, that completely negates the entire book of John and it completely negates, uh, or I should say all the, the letters that John wrote in the, his gospel, as well as negating what God's love is really about. Uh, if it's just reserved to a feeling. So we, we understand as we look at this here, and we're going to see some, some verses as we kind of get a little bit further into this, uh, John starts talking about some commandments. And if there is one thing that we know is that uh, commandments never ceased. Uh, you know, things may have stopped. Uh, you know, we don't see tongues today. We don't see the healings today. Uh, we don't see dreams and visions today because we've got the complete word of God right in front of us. Um, you know, th- those type of situations, uh, those have, uh, have moved to the background, if you will, um, while at the same time, people will sit there and think that uh, uh, commandments at the same time have also moved to the background and that we've got liberty to do whatever we want. We don't. We don't. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, God makes it pretty clear that our liberty has boundaries, uh, in order for liberty to be truly liberty, it must have a boundary. It must have something. We don't have a liberty to go do things. You know, here in the United States of America, we even understand that. You know, as much as we claim all about our rights and things of that nature, and the liberty that we have in this country, there's a limitation to it. Meaning you can't go into, as people often use this analogy, you can't go in and, and yell fire in a crowded uh, uh, movie theater and uh, uh, to try to get people to stampede. You, you can't do things of that nature. You can't say whatever you want to say uh, or put in print whatever you want to print because then you start looking at libel and slander. Uh, so we understand there are boundaries. There are limitations to it. And we realize that while we have this liberty in Christ, there's still some commandments that he gives us that keep us in that boundary, that keeps us, if you will, as the the terms that are being used today, the guardrails of our life that keeps us in that lane, keeps us where we're supposed to be. 
And those guardrails are those commandments that God says, thou shalt, thou shalt not, or uh, in these cases, talking about love, and love is wound up, as we see in this book, something that is commanded, something that is given to us. And what we're going to see here uh, a little bit tonight is as we begin to look at the subject as he moves into uh, knowing God, it, it is a, if you will, an enlightening experience. People today talk a lot about enlightenment, meaning that they want to, uh, if you will, be enlightened by the knowledge so that they can have a greater understanding of what life is all about. Well, uh, the sad fact is, is you're never going to get, you know, experience true enlightenment until you know who the creator is. Uh, that's going to give you true enlightenment. It's going to give you true enlightenment about how you're made. It's going to give you true enlightenment about what your purpose is. It's going to give you true enlightenment about what life is really all about. It's going to give you true enlightenment about what happens in the future and what has happened in the past, if you will. But what we understand is we understand that this light, as he starts talking about here, is something that is necessary for our path. And that path that he begins to establish in this in this book is the one that leads us and keeps us and has us in that love of God that we should not be removing ourselves from. Now, when I talk about that, I'm not talking about, you know, anything that would be go contrary to what we find over in Romans chapter 8. But I can definitely tell you this. There are a lot of Christians today that do not express the love of God. There are a lot of Christians today that don't even know anything about the love of God. There are a lot of Christians today that if you were to talk about the love of God, uh, they would have no way to even describe the love of God. And if you will, John looks at it and says, man, that's a sad fact. We need to know this. Where we left off uh, last week was right around verse 4 of this chapter. And let's just read back to the first three verses. Uh, in chapter 2, he says, My little children, these things I write unto you, that ye sin not. If any man sin, we have an advocate the Father, uh, with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation, propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. And hereby do we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. There we are seeing these commandments coming up, because these are going to be important principles as we move into the rest of the book. John begins to build slowly upon this, this, uh, these, uh, these, uh, this foundation of Jesus Christ. Verse four, he says, he that saith, I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth the word, uh, his word in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby we know that we are in him. So we see that this becomes very evident and very clear that God's love is something that must be demonstrated in our life. Something that must be clearly shown. Before we get too much into detail about what we're looking at this evening, let's go ahead and open with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for the time. I thank you again for an opportunity, Lord, to be into your word and uh, again to receive the instruction and the commandments that we should be following after. I pray, Lord, that we would just have a diligence this evening to listen and to hear, uh, also to apply and to do, that, Lord, we would please you and that we would represent what you have done for us by a witness to others in this life, whether it be believer or unbeliever, Lord, that we would clearly demonstrate your love for us. I pray, Lord, that you just be with me this evening, speak through me, that all of this would be pleasing and honoring unto you. 
Lord, I pray our hearts would all be very receptive, ready to receive, and ready, Lord, to um, bring forth that fruit that you desire through your Spirit, teaching us and guiding us and leading us tonight. And these things I ask and pray in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. So here we are, and with this uh, verse number four, and we're talking about knowing God. And again, the best way to know God is to know what his will is, to know what his commandments are. And I will say this, if a person does not know what God wants for their life, does not know the simple commandments that God has put in Scripture for us to do, then that person truly does not know God. And he has given us quite a few for us to do. And I, you know, I reference quite a few of them. Uh, one that I frequently go to because people start talking about, well, we're not under the law and so on and so forth. Okay. Well, we have laws that are applying to us. There are still moral laws over there in the old Testament that we need to abide by. Now, granted, we don't do the ceremonial and we don't do the sacrificial because the sacrificial was all done for, uh, was all fulfilled with Jesus Christ. The ceremonial was for specifically, uh, if you will, societal things that were, uh, for the nation of Israel to make a, a peculiar people for them. We have laws that God has given us where he says, like the, the example, the law of Christ we find over in Galatians 6 that I reference. Uh, there's the law of liberty that we see throughout scripture. Uh, we see commandments come that Paul talks about. Uh, uh, that we need to, to, to obey, that we need to follow after, that we need to make lifestyle changes, that we need to uh, make wholesale heart changes, we need to do all of these things, and we see them given as commands that we are supposed to do. So we, in verse 3, as we talked about, we, you know, we, we know him if we keep his commandments because we value them and we, we think they're precious. And that's what keeping is about. We really truly need to understand that word keep and understand that it is a guarding thing. And if we're going to take those uh, those commandments that God has given us and we're truly going to keep them, then we're not going to let anything dissuade us from doing them otherwise. Whether it's ourselves, whether it's our flesh, whether it's the devil, whether it's the world, whatever it may be, we're going to say, no, that that is a precious thing to me. And I'll tell you, in this day and age, people do not think that way about laws and commandments. You know what they think of laws as? Something to break. Yeah. They think of laws as, a, as a, a, and we've all heard the adage, well, you know, rules were meant to be broken. No, they weren't. <laughs> Absolutely not. Go ask Adam and Eve. One rule, come on. You couldn't even keep that. But here we are looking at the situation. That's not what the commandments are about. It should be something that is valued. And this morning we were talking about wisdom and wisdom's value. But we look at the word of God and we need to understand that that's where we truly see the value of what God has given us. How else would we know how valuable salvation is if we did not have the word of God? We wouldn't. We wouldn't realize its importance in our life. We wouldn't realize that the penalty of sin was death. We wouldn't realize that, that as he describes hell in detail, uh, that it is not such a pleasant place. We would not understand that there is a second death that is the lake of fire, that is eternal torment in flame. 
That we, we would never grasp that concept and we'd never understand how important salvation truly is without the Word of God communicating that to us. So when we begin to understand that concept, we begin to understand the concept that God's commandments to us truly reveal who He is to us as believers. What His standards are. And as we talked about before, you know, our standards change. Just take a look at the standards of how things have changed over the last, say, 200 years here in the United States of America. The stuff that goes on today, good grief, that stuff wouldn't go on ever 200 years ago. That thought probably wouldn't even cross somebody's mind. And if it did, they probably would have been promptly slapped by somebody. And nobody would have arrested him for assault either. Yeah. I mean, you know, we live in a very, very different day and age. Societal standards change. That's why you cannot base any type of morality off of societal standards. Because what goes at one day goes, doesn't go the next day. They change very frequently. But God is never changing. His standards are always going to be holiness, righteousness, justice. All of the things that the world wants, but the world can't get because they're being blown about, if you will, by every wind of doctrine. They have no foundation. Shifting sands. And what we see here very clearly is we see that that he says in this passage, he says, he saith, I, he that saith, I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar. And as I said, John gets right to the point. He points out this issue. Look, if we're going to say we're a Christian, but we don't know what God expects of us, I can't call myself a Christian. I barely call myself a believer at that point. If you've ever been soul winning and you get to that door and you knock on the door and inevitably somebody opens the door and you start talking and then you ask the question, well, uh, you know, in various different ways, if you were to die today, do you know where you would spend eternity? Or um, if you were to pass away today, uh, what would be the uh, uh, percentage of uh, you knowing that you would be in heaven? There's very various different ways of asking the question about eternal life and getting people to think about it and getting people to engage in it. But but inevitably people will start saying, well, I've always known God. Okay. And there, there is things, I don't want to say it's a trick, but what it is is it's a revealing nature of it. It's just like what Jesus Christ would do when uh, the, he would be asked a question or they would make a statement and he would show and he would reveal truly what their heart is by using the word of God. So the same situation is true. Somebody says, well, well, you know, I've always believed in God. I've always known him. You know, me and God, you know, we've got this understanding. Oh, okay. Can you just at least tell me the Ten Commandments? How many of us are confident that we could get through the Ten Commandments? Maybe. You know, we might, we might get close. We might, it might take us in half an hour. We might get there. 
Some of us know exactly where to turn. Just go over to the book of Exodus, chapter 20. Remember that, Exodus chapter 20. Two times the ten. There you go, Exodus chapter 20. It's the second book of the Bible. There's your two, that's the two, ten commandments. There, I mean, you, whatever it takes to remember, it's Exodus 20, okay? And then you find the ten commandments, and you go through and you're like, oh, okay, there they are. But so many times, people people won't even know that. They won't even know what, what the Ten Commandments are. Uh, and the, here's the issue is, is then you begin to ask them the question, well, do, I mean, can you keep the Ten Commandments? Setting aside the Sabbath day, could they do it? No. They can't. Because we get to that whole part of thou shalt not kill. Inevitably, people, some people can say, well, hey, I haven't killed anybody. Well, praise God for that. But you have. You're guilty of it. Christ died on that cross for you. And if you will, to a degree, you killed yourself when you sinned. So we begin to understand that, yeah, there's been some killing going on in our lives. But people try to paint themselves as a good picture in a good picture and what John's pointing out here is he's pointing out this is a hypocrisy it's a hypocrisy if people really truly love god and people say i know god they're going to try their best with god's help to not engage in sinful activity They're going to avoid it. They're going to do a Joseph and run from it. They're going to flee. Why? Because those things to them show that they really truly don't understand who God is. Because let's think about this for a minute. As John's talking about this here where he says, He that saith I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. He's showing the fact that this individual does not truly understand and has not received the word of God and has not kept that word of God and has not hid that word of God inside of him. And the reason being is because it was, could be sin, it could be something else that is preventing them from doing it. But, but here, 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 here's the main issue. If I had to ask a description of who God is, what would we say? Give me a description of God. Creator. We got one. Savior. You only get two. Redeemer. Redeemer. Nope, you can't get that. And she's got three. Nope. (laughs) Who else? Love. Love. Okay. We know God's love. Mercy. Mercy. Judgment. Judgment. Ooh, getting close. Faithful. What else do we know? I'm sorry, what was that, Silas? Forgiving. Forgiving. Just. Righteous. Now we're getting close. There you are. Yep. Youth, youth guys got it. Amen. <laughs> think about this for a second. If I say I know God, I know one thing about him. I know he's holy. And you know what that means? There's no sin in him. He's never sinned. 
understanding that concept right there really changes how we look at commandments. Especially when he gives the commandment of be ye holy as I am holy. Ah. (laughs) That's the standard, by the way. That's what God wants us to attain to. Now look, he knows that. He knows that. I happened to see something today. Uh, I had some moments where I was just kind of need to kind of zone out a little bit. So I started flipping through some things. You know how it gets. And you go through and there was something that popped up in one of my feeds and it said something of this nature. It said um, that uh, when God called you, he took your stupidity into account. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, that'll preach. That will preach. He knew exactly what you were going to do. He knew exactly what you were capable of. He knows exactly what, what, what your problems are. And he still said, I'm going to use that. And we just look at it and go, I would have never used it. Right. Oh, why would you? No, absolutely not. And God says, no, I'm going to use that. And all the scholars and everything go, no, I don't know. No, 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 no. He doesn't have that. No, he doesn't have a degree. Uh, no, he hasn't been to Bible school. No, he had, no, 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 mm, 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 mm. You know what? They would have thrown Moses out. They would have kept Paul because he had, you know, that religious fervor, right? But the wrong kind of religious fervor. <laughs> Killing people. You know who they would have thrown out? Peter. James, John, they would have thrown out all the disciples. Probably would have kept Judas because he kept the money. Um, I mean, let's be honest here. We would have eliminated everybody in the Old Testament. David? A little shepherd boy? Yeah. Somebody that keeps sheep? Absolutely. You go over there and one of the greatest responses that I always love to see and point out is uh, here, here's an individual that goes and preaches a message uh, uh, to, to the, the, the tribes of the north, the ten tribes of the north, and his name's Amos. And uh, all of a sudden, these, you know, priests get a little offended about the fact that he's, you know, proclaiming judgment and proclaiming all these things that are going to happen because he's saying God's holy and he can't stand your guy's sin any longer. All of a sudden, they're like, you know, I'll go preach that down in Judah. That preaches better over there, not over here. And he says, I don't care. He says, I was, you know, I was a, 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 a herdsman and a, and a, a picker of sycamore fruit. He didn't have the right theological background. But you know what? God takes all that into account. And he knows that. He knows that about us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. So here's where it comes down to. How much do we know him? How much do we know him? How much do we truly know about his holiness? If we truly know about his holiness, then we're going to do his commandments. We're going to keep them. We're not going to stray from them. And when we do, you know what's going to happen? Our heart is going to be smote. And we're going to drop to our knees and we're going to say, God, forgive me. And we're going to respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to take 1 John 1, 9 to heart. 
If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Praise God for that. We're going to praise God for the propitiation. We're going to praise God for the advocate. But here he's very clear. He says, look, if you're saying one thing and you're doing something else, this hypocrisy, and let's keep it in context of the entire book, is anti-Christ. Because in chapter 2, as we move a little bit further here, just kind of uh, jump down a few verses here, he, he, he starts talking about, you know, here we're supposed to perfect the love of God. And in verse 15, he says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And then he gets right to the point of, well, what's the love of the world about? He says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. What does he point out? He points out three things that essentially make up almost every single sin that has ever been. He points this out and he makes it very clear. Here's the problem. You can't love two. can't love two. Did you ever notice that there was always a problem when a guy would marry two wives in the Bible? really hard to split that. Could you imagine poor Solomon over there? I say poor Solomon because he brought it upon himself. 700 wives, not counting the concubines. 700? How in the world would you split that love? Exactly. It's not love at all. What it was was just political. It was political. But what we find is that we find that God says, look, here's the, here's, the, here's the issue. If we're saying we love him and we are not keeping his commandments, if we are saying we know him and we're not keeping his commandments, then there are things that are out there that are affecting us the wrong way. And it is one of these three that is categorized under the umbrella comment of love of the world. Love of the world. Take a look at a couple other passages here. Um, I want us to go over to um, the book of Mark. Go to Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. You know, the truth of God is going to be absent from somebody that disregards uh, what God instructs. I mean, the book of Proverbs makes that pretty clear. Um, you know, if somebody is, is, uh, uh, saying that they believe the Bible, uh, but yet is refusing to do what the Bible tells them to do, um, th- no, the truth is not there. Right. The truth is not there. The Bible is not just pick and choose. We don't get to cherry pick what we want. The Bible is applicable. And as we go over to, to, the, to where Paul talked to Timothy, he says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Now, it's profitable for various different things that we see, but I want us to understand all Scripture is profitable. We can get something out of it. Yes, you can get something out of Leviticus. Might take a little bit, but you'll get it. You can get something out of the genealogies. You can get something out of uh, Genesis 4, and this person begat this person, and this person begat that person, and this... Yeah, it's, it's, it's important. 
it's important to go through the, you know, part of a personal study and, and I encourage you to do this. You know, if the Lord lays something on your heart to kind of personally study, do it. I was just thinking the other day and I was like, man, you know what? Something I want to take a look at is I want to start comparing all of these stones, these list of stones. You got 12 stones that are the foundation of the new Jerusalem. You've got, uh, uh, you've got, uh, the 12 stones that are for the, uh, in the ephod. And then you've got nine stones that are described that are built into Lucifer. And a lot of them match. And it's interesting to go through and you start realizing some of the colors that are there, some of the things that are uh, uh, about them, so the value of them. Some of them we would look at and go, oh, that's not very valuable. But it means, it means to, you know, there's something about it, something to, to represent what God says about a certain group or a certain person or a certain whatever. But there's simple little things that you can study. All, all, you know, what I'm getting at is all Scripture is profitable, right? Well, it, you know, if somebody's going to take a look at what God tells them to do, he's going to study it because the Bible commands us, study to show thyself approved unto God. Take a look at Mark chapter 7. <clears throat> Mark chapter 7 and take a look at verse uh, 7 itself. <clears throat> Well, back up to verse 6. He answered and said unto them, Well hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, the people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men, for laying aside the commandments of God, ye hold the tradition of men, as the washing of pots and cups, and many other such uh, like things ye do. And he said unto them, Full well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your own tradition. And I will dare say that is the world today. And the stuff, I, the stuff that gets is shoved into my feeds, uh, is just some of it I just want to scream. I saw one today where it was uh it was a, a a pastor and his wife rapping about Jesus talking about he was the son of the original G and I'm like you have absolutely no idea what you're saying because that whole G doesn't mean god in the slang by the way it means something totally different. It's criminal. When we begin to realize, and some people are saying, hey, well, they're saying they love God. Not like that. And here's where he gets at it, to this point of where he says, in vain do you worship me. Let's think about this for a minute. Worshiping God in vain. They were doing that over in the Old Testament. What were they doing? They were bringing sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. And you know what they would do? They would offer the sacrifices, and as soon as they were done offering the sacrifices, they'd go out and do the sin. And God said, that's disgusting. He said, I'd rather you were just 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 sin rather than say that you love me and then turn around and do exactly the opposite. The betrayal. 
It's just like Judas coming to the garden. Yeah. What does he do? He kisses Jesus. Seriously? He couldn't have just pointed and said? No. No. But what we find here is he points out the issue is he said that you would rather keep something that is not godly than to actually keep the commandments that have been written. The stuff that has been preserved. The truth. Jesus Christ said about the word of God, thy word is truth. He said, I am the way, the truth and the life. The truth we find right here in scripture. It gives us the answers for what we need. But people disregard that for another kind of truth. That's not really true. And John just flat out calls it what it is. It's a lie. It's a lie. And just like, just like Jesus Christ pointed out, what do you point out about the devil? He said he was a liar and murderer from the beginning. Go back to Genesis 3. He's a liar and murderer from the beginning. That's what he did. That's who he is. That's where it comes from. Take a look over at James chapter 4. I know we're in James um, on Wednesday nights. and <clears throat> the James chapter 4. <clears throat> I want to kind of point this out because we're looking at this issue of hypocrisy, of saying I, I know God and then doing something that's completely against his word. Uh, here in verse 17, he says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is what? Sin. Again, his brother James, there they are. And these guys, sons of thunder, hitting it every single time, right? <laughs> they don't mince words, they just say it like it is. And he gets right to the point, he says, look, you know, this is sinful behavior, this is a sinful action. If you know what you're supposed to do and you don't do it, that's sin. God points that out. Why? Because we need to be reminded of that. Because a lot of times we think we're okay if we just do the thou shalt nots. But there's a lot of thou shalt do's. And those are things that we need to make sure that we are abiding by, that we're following through with, that we're keeping, not throwing away. We're keeping. We keep the stuff that is precious. We keep the stuff that means something to us. As a general rule, people don't, I mean, unless you've got an OCD issue, you generally don't keep your gum wrapper. What do you do? You throw it away. You go out and you eat fast food and you have your Taco Bell burrito. You don't keep the wrapper, do you? You throw it away. Why? It's not precious to you. It doesn't mean anything. But a loved one or, 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 or a very dear friend comes up and gives you a wonderful gift and gives you something that, 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 you know, that you treasure. You're going to keep that. You're going to keep that. Hypocrisy is something that God has always frowned on. He doesn't like it. It's something that is, 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 if you will, to him, is hateful. Completely the opposite of love. Completely the opposite of love. 
<clears throat> Turn over the book of Hosea. Hosea. <clears throat> If you can find the book of Daniel, you'll find Hosea right after it. Hosea chapter 6. <clears throat> Hosea chapter 6, I want to point this out and, and, and have you see something here about knowing God and knowing what happens about keeping commandments and things specifically regarding God's promises. You know, uh, I'll tell you this, if you really truly know God, you know that there's a blessing in keeping God's commandments. You know there's a blessing in keeping it. Hosea uh, chapter 6, in verse 1, it says, Come, let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn, and he will heal us. He hath smitten, and he will bind us up. I just want to pause there. I know that this verse alone itself could be a long message. But I'll tell you this. When we get corrected by God and it is rough and things are really hard and we feel, if you will, smote and we feel broken, the great thing about it is, is that we can have a healing according to this verse. We don't have to feel that way all the time thereafter. He's talking to a group of people that God compared to a prostitute. And he's saying, just return. Just come back and let's restore the relationship. Take a look at verse 2. He says, after two days, he will revive us. There's some prophecy in that one. Yeah. In the third day, he will raise us up. He's talking about what? The millennial reign. And we shall live in his sight. Then shall we know, if we follow on to know the Lord. His going forth is prepared as the morning, and he shall come unto us as the rain and as the latter and former rain under the earth. He's talking about the blessings part. He's talking about how, how, how amazing God is in his blessings and his promises. But I want you to see that last verse there, in verse 3 that we just read. He says, then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. If we follow on to know the Lord, we will know who. We will know those blessings. We will know what God's capable of doing. We will know his grace. We will know his mercy. We will know his love. We will know his care, his compassion, his kindness, his gentleness. We will know those things if we follow on to know the Lord. And you know what that means? That means that we have to be active in doing it. Knowing God isn't a passive tense it is an active, active, active part of our life as believers. And John's pointing out, so he's talking about the last days here over in First in John. I'll tell you this, in the last days, there's one thing that I know is there's not a lot of people following on to know the Lord. 
They follow on to know a lot about everything else. You know what's really sad? What's really sad is if somebody knows more about cars than they know about God. What's really sad is if somebody knows more about whatever, insert whatever hobby, insert whatever interest in there, than they know about God. Then we're not following after him. We're not following after him. That becomes the problem. This is the issue that John's getting at. This ought not be so. Could you imagine just for a moment if, if, if we were left behind for the tribulation period? Now, here, here in this church, we believe that we're going to be raptured out of here. Praise God. I, I, the scripture, scripture's pretty clear on it. But I, I, I will say this. Could you imagine how difficult that's going to be for an individual that's reading this and realizing that they need to make sure that they are absolutely following after God in all holiness and righteousness and knowing that, and if you will, being a light in the world in a world that hates them? I just read an article today that, that uh, talked about uh, that there has been an increase, an increase in violence against churches and anti-Christian, um, uh, if you will, actions. Whether it's shootings, vandalism, arson, uh, physical attacks, uh, it, it, they, they just said it's it's just it's ramping up. Could you imagine how bad that's going to be during the tribulation period? I don't want any part of that. This being written specifically for those kinds of, of the, those those type of saints, and they've got to realize, hey, they really truly are. We think we're in the last days, man. The tribulation's the last days. That's that 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 seven years, and then specifically that last three and a half. Just progressively getting worse and worse and worse. To the point of where they're getting ready to surround Jerusalem. And here comes the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and says, nope. Man, that's going to be a sight. But here he's saying, look, we got to make sure if we're going to say we love God, it can't be something that we just do with our lips. We've got to truly, honestly have it in our heart. Take a look at verse 5, going back to the book of First uh, John chapter 2. He says, But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. So herein is the results of what happens when we do this. Now, there's one thing that we always know is that there's always a re, there, there, there's always an, a, 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 as we talk about in science, an equal and opposite reaction, right? We do something. I mean, it's kind of the laws of physics. It, it's what we see in science. You do something, it's going to cause an effect. It's going to cause an effect. Um, you know, the, the, there's going to be damage to a vehicle if you run it into a brick wall. I mean, that's cause and effect. 
We understand the concepts, you know, and very clearly when we're talking about sowing and reaping. But here is, if you will, one of the benefits of reaping what is being sown in our hearts, the word of God. If the word of God is sown in our hearts, then you know what's going to happen? We're going to wind up seeing the love of God more. It's going to be perfected. It's going to be completed. It's going to be shown. We're going to have an understanding of what it really truly means. When it says over in Romans chapter five, verse eight, but God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Because we're going to understand that we want to continue to do what God tells us to do and follow him and follow his word and follow his will and follow his ways and, and, and do those things that he has so lovingly and carefully prepared and given to us as gifts. It's hard to understand the love of God when a person is actively engaged in something that is the opposite of godliness. Because you don't get to see exactly what God does. You don't get to see the fruit of it. And I'll tell you, a lot of Christians will say, well, I just don't see God in my life. You start asking them questions, and I guarantee you, when somebody says, I'm not seeing God work in my life, I'm not seeing God do anything, there's a sin. There's a sin. At that point in time, look, I'll just do you guys a favor, real quick counsel session, if you will. You ever find that in your life, then you need to get on your knees and you need to say to the Lord and beg and cry, and, and, and if you will, lift up your voice and say, Lord, search me and try me. Show me the wicked way. Show me where I am sinning. Show me and reveal it to me. And you know what? God will. The Holy Spirit will convict you. The Holy Spirit will say it's right there. Don't, don't be the one that goes, no, 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 not that one. <laughs> There's another one, Lord. There's another one that I don't see. And, and the Holy Spirit's going, no, it's that one. No, 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 just leave that one alone. Don't, don't, don't touch that one. That one. That's your problem. We often don't like being told where our issues are. But I'll tell you this, the perfect love of God will do that. Why? Because he corrects those he loves. If he didn't love you, he wouldn't correct you. Think about this for a moment. If God did not love you, you would never feel one lick of conviction in your life. But you know what? We feel conviction. We feel conviction. That's a good thing. That's the Lord correcting you. Some of you may know that I've, my, my, uh, electric car, my Kia Soul is in, uh, it's in purgatory. <laughs> so my soul is in purgatory right now. <clears throat> As, uh, Kia corporate tries to figure out what they're going to do with this problem, which is a nationwide issue. All the souls are in purgatory right now. <laughs> Man, I love these jokes. But anyways, I'm going to have to get rid of those because eventually this soul is no longer going to be there. 
but I have a new electric car, and um, it's a little quicker than the other one. And there are occasionally times that I'll find myself on the freeway, and I will be behind somebody that is, well, a little slower than what I want to go. And I'll be like, <sighs> and then I'll just like turn on the blinker, check the mirrors, okay, clear, get over, put a little into the throttle, and I'm gone. Next thing I know is I'm doing 80, 90 miles an hour. I'm still trying to figure out how to get this car to slow down. It's just not. <laughs> it's just not. And I, I got to have a more delicate touch with it. I just, it. It just is what it is. But I'll tell you this. When I do that, and I'm like, oh, <clears throat> start slowing down, looking in my rearview mirror, waiting for, you know, blue and red lights flashing, something like that. And I'm just sitting there going, oh, Lord. You know what? There's conviction. You're like, well, that's just the speed limit. Look, if I can't obey a stupid sign, how am I going to obey God when he tells me what I'm supposed to be doing from his word? And and we need to understand this. Because he says, Whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. And if there's one thing that I would love to have for my life is to have that love of God perfected. Shown to be complete. Shown to be whole. Shown to be to the world that needs it. You know, there there is a whole entire generation of people out there that are unloved. The problems that we see here in the United States of America that we, 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 we just, you know, just makes us grind our teeth and just causes such consternation and just, you know, just sometimes such anger and things of that nature. I'll tell you this, a lot of it boils down to this is you've got a bunch of people that have never, ever, ever heard about the love of God. People that want to change themselves, people that want to kill themselves, people that want to hurt other people. The, the, the main reason is, is that people have not been told about that. Now, look, I'm not going on and saying, you know, one of those people that's like all about the love of God, because the love of God clearly points out that he loves us because he didn't want us to die and go to hell. Sin has to be judged. Sin will be judged. And the love of God clearly demonstrates that he says he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So much so that he loved us that he died on the cross for us. People need to hear that today. People need to know what that really truly means. But I tell you this, as a believer, the more that I keep this book, the more I keep the words of this book, the more that they become that valuable to me that I'm going to guard them and I'm going to protect them. I'm going to make sure that nothing steals them away. I'm going to make sure nothing influences them. I'm going to make sure that nothing happens to them. If I'm going to keep them, I'm going to begin to see exactly what the love of God is all about. Now, I'm not trying to sound you know, dismissive about salvation in any way, shape, or form. But the love of God that we see at salvation is the greatest love that we can ever see. But you know what? God didn't stop there. Did he stop there in your life? 
Did he say, okay, I saved you and that's all you need? Absolutely not. You know what he did? He put a bunch of other misfits like you together and said, here, 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 here's some more people that you can get to know. Get out of your introversion and get to know them. Because I love them too. And they're going to help you. Because that's what we're supposed to do, not hurt each other. We're supposed to help each other. We're supposed to love each other. And we find that that becomes the theme of the book. I'm broaching this subject because as we get on further into the book, he starts getting into more details about some of these commandments and he talks about it and he says, look, the love of God is not in you if you cannot love your brother and sister in Christ. Why? Because that's one of the commandments. He goes down here a little bit further where he says in in verse 7, he says, I write no new commandment unto you but an old commandment which we had from the beginning. And then he talks about a new commandment, which we'll eventually look at here over the next couple of weeks. But 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 again, what I want us to understand is this, is that when we get to this point of where he's saying, look, uh, here's the issue. It comes down to perfecting the love of God in us as we keep his commandments. We get to know more and more and more and more about his love. Why? Because God is love. And we know him. But look at the last phrase in verse 5 here, and we'll be done. Verse 5. He says, Hereby know we, uh, hereby know we that we are in him. Rhetorical question. You ever have that happen in your life where all of a sudden you just don't feel saved? Well, praise God, salvation isn't a feeling. Otherwise, we all probably would have lost it a long time ago. But I'll tell you this. You know what the key to eternal security is? Keeping his commandments. No, I'm not saying you keep your salvation by keeping the commandments. I'm saying it changes the way you think. Changes the way you think. The God should love a sinner such as I. Man. But I know this. I'm in him. He's in me. I have eternal life. Why? Because this book, specifically John chapter 5, 1 John chapter 5, says, I can know that I have eternal life. I don't have to, you know, hope for it as the world hopes. I don't have to guess about it. I don't have to assume. I don't have to sit there and, and, and fret over it or any of those things. I know that I have eternal life. That's why this stuff was written, that we may know that we have eternal life, he says over in 1 John chapter 5. And I'll tell you this, the reason why sometimes we struggle with it is because we really truly have not kept what God has told us to keep. And we either threw it out or we lost it along the way. But the word of God is key to it. It's key to that understanding of the eternal security that God has given us. 
that his salvation is secure and firm in him, and no matter what, I will never lose it. And I praise God for that. I praise God for that. Let's go ahead and close with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for this time. Thank you again, Lord, for these few verses that we were able to get through. And Lord, you've just uh, packed so much in here for us to know and so much for us to learn and to understand. It truly reveals who you are, your character. And um, and Lord, it's just, just amazing to understand that you would use a man such as John, just a simple fisherman, to communicate some of the greatest words that you have ever written. But Lord, you would use us and desire to use us Above all, Lord, that you loved us and you continue to love us. And Lord, may we make sure that we understand that. That if we say we know you, that we claim to be a Christian, that Lord, we wouldn't be hypocritical or feigning it. There would be no fake. There would be no putting on of airs. There would be no performance. But, Lord, it would be a truth that we are truly saved by your grace, that we truly love you and want to be obedient to you with what we say and do. Lord, again, I just thank you for those that are here tonight. I pray you just take us home safely. Thank you again, Lord, for just a great day where we have an opportunity to worship you, praise you, and just enjoy the gifts that you've given. Pray you keep us safe throughout the rest of this week, Lord. Bring us back safely on Tuesday for basic and Wednesday for our midweek service. And Lord, just give us opportunities to be that witness throughout this week. These things I ask and pray in your son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen.